0: Welcome to episode 640 of Apartment Hacker. This is Mike burning Apartment Hacker is my mission to tease out human potential in the multifamily space. And today I am incredibly excited. I have somebody actually uh, in studio, so to speak, uh, to interview about uh, technology and uh, the impact that it will have on the multifamily space. Um, I want to introduce Elliot Burris uh, from Dynasty.com, uh, and I'd like to let Elliot... Uh, sort of introduce himself because I don't think that I can give any uh, justice to his background per se. So, uh, Elliot, if you don't mind, just uh, origin story uh, and maybe sort of segue into what Dynasty is and how you believe it will impact the multifamily space.
1: Absolutely, thanks so much for having me, Mike. Uh, It's always a pleasure. Um, So, as Mike said, I'm the founder and CEO of Dynasty.com. We build what we call digital employees for the real estate sector. So what that is is really we're using new advancements in machine learning to build uh, what are effectively uh, human either augments, augmentations or replacements uh, in real estate multifamily operations. Um, the goal is really to you know further the industry by relying more on technology and providing better access to Uh, consistent operational procedures across an entire portfolio. My background's uh, not in real estate, so this is a very new sector for me. Um, uh, My background's more in the quantitative finance side. I was previously at Two Sigma, which is a large quantitative hedge fund based in New York. Um, They do a lot of interesting things across sort of high-frequency trading all the way through global macro and traditional equities uh, portfolio management. And before that, I was in grad school at Cambridge University in the UK. Um, so, uh, real estate's certainly an interesting asset to me. It's very different from sort of the high frequency assets that I was more used to in my previous uh, previous life. But from what I see, there's an incredible amount of opportunity to deploy a lot of new technologies in this space. And it seems like there's actually a great appetite for this type of technology, too. True. David. So, uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm always pushing people, more, more entrepreneurs in real estate, more op- entrepreneurs, specifically in multifamily, too, because I think you can really make a an impact and a difference very, very quickly. So, uh, yeah, happy to talk. So I'm, I'm interested, Elliot, I, uh, the, the
0: way that Dynasty, or Lisa probably more specifically came to be, was it was born out of a pain point for yourself. Yes. As, as I recall, do you mind telling that story? Because I think it's a very interesting story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely.
1: So um, back in 2015, I was living in San Francisco, And I had recently met a good friend, uh, Jason Mira, who is the co-founder of Adapar. Jason and I decided that we wanted to work together. And uh, in doing so, we decided that we would rent a big house in Noe Valley, which is a neighborhood in San Francisco, and move in together. At the time, I was living in a rent-controlled junior one-bedroom on Dolores Park in San Francisco. Uh, If you don't know, Dolores Park is sort of the, the central meeting ground for SF Proper. Lots of interesting cultural activities and other uh, outdoor fun to be had in that area. So um, uh, it was d- certainly that apartment, that junior one bedroom was an appealing spot to live in, let alone the fact that it was rent controlled. So uh, in moving in together, uh, I asked my landlord, I said, you know, is it possible for me to break this lease? And he said, yeah, if you find a suitable replacement, that's fine. So I put my uh, rent control junior one-bedroom on Craigslist, and within the first 24 hours, I got about 300 responses um, from people uh, very desperate to try to take over my lease. Um, at the time, Jason and I had sort of been doing a lot of coding together, so I made him a bet that I could build a bot that would respond to all of these 300 prospective um, subleases uh, automatically. Uh, it turns out, uh, you know, he took the other side of that bet, and uh, that was really sort of the genesis for our first digital employee. At the time, I didn't even know what a leasing agent was. I couldn't tell you the first thing about real estate. Um, and it wasn't until my landlord sort of asked me how I managed to compile 90 completed applications in a 48-hour 40 hour span. Uh, did he tell me about sort of what a leasing agent is and how he tries to pay people to do this exact job function? Uh, that sort of was the genesis for this entire company. I, I just find that so fascinating, and
0: it, it, it's probably fair to say that many solutions to problems, in, in probably most likely in the technology field, are born out of just issues, right? Or mm-hmm. things that you might get, be dealing with yourself, Yep. and, and you put, um, put some code to it, put some technology to it, and you can solve the issue, and, and, and then a product is born out of that.
1: Right? Absolutely, so. yeah. So I'd recommend everyone who's interested in learning more about how technologists and how entrepreneurs think to read um, Paul Graham. Uh, he was the founder of Vioweb and uh, eventually the founder of Y Combinator. Um, he posts blogs on his website. And he he's very, he has sort of a very unique style of both writing and thinking. And he's very, very good at articulating sort of the entrepreneur or the hacker mindset. Um, and he speaks a lot about how, in his opinion, all of the best companies come out of uh, problems that the founders themselves had. So a good example would be Airbnb. The founders were living in San Francisco at the time, couldn't afford rent, and decided that they would attempt to rent out their living room, um, an air mattress. That's actually why it's called Airbnb. It was, it was oh. exclusively air mattresses in living rooms in the beginning. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, so they literally couldn't afford rent, and that was sort of uh, their idea for for being able to afford expensive San Francisco rent. Um, you know. Uh, Microsoft was born out of the the fact that uh, you know Bill Gates wanted to be able to hack in uh, hack on, on software in his own way. Right. Um, sort of name any large technology company; they're generally born out of problems that the founders themselves had. Mine was a little less of a serious problem, sure. but sure. Uh, certainly a problem nonetheless. Definitely. Um, I want to go back
0: to the to the um, first uh, your first response uh, digital employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and you use the word replacement, and in, in potentially being a replacement for, let's say, the modern-day leasing person. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've been, let's say, for the last nine to twelve months plus or minus, been on a, a been uh, from the perspective that organizations, let's say, like Radco, um, need to, right now, start to reskill leasing consultants, reskill assistant managers, reskill property managers, because. Technologies like Lisa who, I mean that could very well replace the leasing consultant in the person especially when you get home automation in place where people can start to DIY right if, if we don't do that now then we're going to wake up one day and we're going to have leasing consultants that don't don't know what to do right and mm-hmm. if the broader multifamily set does the same thing they it's not like they can go get another leasing job that's right the same thing's happening right so um, in your mind do you, do you as a person who's developed this type of technology and digital employee, do, do you look at that problem and foresee, like, what would a future leasing consultant do? What would a future assistant manager do with other things, other technologies that might be uh, coming into the space?
1: Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. that I, don't, I, don't, I think that the job function of a leasing agent certainly is changing rapidly right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if necessarily... That type of job function will, um, I don't, I, I see it sort of as morphing into a different job function altogether rather sense. than, uh, you know, sort of reducing staff or, uh, or, or any, any specific sort of uh, change to the job function itself. So, that makes sense. a good example would be, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of our clients that deploy Lisa start to think about just changing staffing at the building level with respect to having. Roaming leasing agents go from building to building, and really optimizing you know the best and top performers to to do their jobs as, as efficiently as possible. So you know when you really think about it, it's like why should you have a leasing agent sitting in a building all day, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for someone to show up? Right, right. Um, when in fact you know you could if you could really enable the top performers of your leasing staff to um, to move from building to building and to move from showing to showing as efficiently as possible and spend all of their time focusing on making that human connection Mm -hmm. during the actual showing itself. We see that as sort of a nice change to the job, Um, but ultimately we do think that building staffing in traditional multifamily is going to change substantially. Another example would be um, we see a lot of push, a a, a slight push toward more of a um, almost like a. uh, uh, what would you call it? Um, a therapist or a oh, yeah, conflict yeah. mediator style background uh, in on site mm-hmm. performance. There's been a lot of studies recently that show that the biggest determining factor for the renewal rate is the, uh, of current residents, is the NPS of the resident re- about the other people in the building, whether it be the other staff or the other residents. So doing conflict mediation and sort of resolving issues as they come up is actually the most important determining factor in your renewal rate. We're seeing that data come up sort of time and time again. Mm -hmm. So we see the the future of building staffing looking a little different, where maybe there's sort of roaming leasing agents coming in and out of the building as needed to perform tours, combine that with self-showings, you have a really interesting model, Mm -hmm. and then on-site having these sort of um, counselors almost that help help resolve conflicts uh, between people who live or work at the building.
0: I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I think I've, I've not wrapped my head around this completely, and I think it's it's uh, you know getting a lot of smart people in a room and having good, vibrant discussion that will ultimately yield a solution. But I I, I see all of the roles at the site level becoming more experiential in nature, right? And yes. I I often start from the perspective of, hey, look, if I, if it if it cost a consumer, if I were to charge a consumer a hundred bucks every time they come to look at a, an apartment, right. Right? It, it costs money to come and look at an apartment. What would that experience look like? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, not that we're going to charge 100 bucks sure. for a prospect to come through, but if we crafted our, our experience around something that was so robust because of the time that we get back from technologies like Lisa, yeah. then we could differentiate ourselves out in the marketplace. But I, I like what you're suggesting about conflict resolution skills, there there are other skills that people need to take on um, to help them be successful in the future, more soft skills, all that stuff that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think in general, the high level theme that we're seeing is um, the requirements of the people that work on site are becoming more, what we would call pointy. So you want Uh people with specific, who are exceedingly talented at specific skill sets, Uh rather than sort of jack of all trades, all arounders. As technology improves, it sort of removes the need for, one by one, these little specific parts of the job function. Right. So a good example would be a traditional leasing agent. Um, prior to deploying a technology like Lisa, um, one thing that you might need would be uh, sort of data entry skills and right. data integrity skills. Um, and you know, there's sort of a balance between that and sort of the sales ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Lisa, suddenly the, your, the, your desire to hire people that are particularly talented at data entry or data management reduces substantially because that job part of the job function just kind of falls off. Right. So suddenly, you know, if you consider that person's, that potential employee's profile, you'd be looking for people so heavily talented on the sales and sort of personal skill side um, that we, we sort of think of that as a more of a pointy employee that you may be looking for. So um, in general, we think people are going to become more and more specialized and more and more extreme abilities will be valued rather than sort of all-rounders. That makes total sense to me. I've not I've not thought about that before.
0: I've just it, in my head it's become this sort of experience that you would create at the site level. But I like that idea that it becomes more pointed in nature. Um, it so I I tend to I tend to take a present day uh, set of data and I tend to extrapolate. It's just the way my brain works. I, so I think uh, my mind is already reeling about what Lisa might be down the road. And certainly that's my thought. But in your head, what are What do the future iterations of Lisa look like at least present day with what you've learned so far? Yeah. What other other areas the business might touch?
1: Yep, Um, so Lisa is our leasing product. Mm -hmm. So certainly getting more involved in uh, other parts of sort of the leasing experience. Lisa's very finely tuned from inbound to show, post tour follow up. Um, one area that we're increasingly interested in is sort of the application process, making sure we're highly in touch with where um, prospects are within that application process and sort of uncovering issues mm-hmm. uh, in that application process. Certainly something we're interested in. Um, beyond just leasing, we're also developing uh, and have sort of s- softly started piloting another, our next product, which is Liam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam works on the current resident side of the, of the equation. So his specialty is more in uh, renewals, maintenance, building notice, current, just current resident issues altogether. All um, that's certainly an area for expansion, uh, and we're doing a lot of those sort of core quantitative research right now needed to build up that side of the business. Um, but beyond that, you know, we're, we're sort of thinking about, we think of our, about our company as sort of white-collar automation. So identifying new... Job functions or existing job functions within multifamily operations that we can sort of pick off one by one. Uh, we certainly have an appetite. So things like accounts receivable. There's other sort of like basic jobs you see in a in a multifamily operator mm-hmm. that we think might uh, fall prey to this type of automation as well. That makes sense. Got it. Um, so it's it's interesting um, to think
0: about the service side of our business in um, a, a Liam and you said building notice building operations things of that nature do you see um, in my head IOT is an interesting technology as it relates to maybe governing appliances and maybe the, the amperage they pull in, uh, in terms of electricity and how that if it varies it might uh, self-diagnose and send at least in my head it might send a message to Liam that would then deploy a labor is that sort of a thought process and how that might evolve over time?
1: Yeah, certainly possible. Um, being more proactive. Right, um, that's a better way to put exactly. it. Exactly. Being more proactive on uh, maintenance issues is certainly something that we're interested in. It actually goes beyond just maintenance issues. Shoot. Touching back on on sort of the conflict resolution side mm-hmm. that we see is increasingly important for this type of operation. Um, you could imagine, for example, having decibel meters um, scattered around the building and Notifying residents when they're being so loud that they're actually going to annoy their neighbors. I think that type of like sort of active monitoring, active management, and active uh, proactive reach out right. to current residents to solve uh, either their maintenance or sort of otherwise issues certainly something that we're interested in. Uh, I think the big blocker there is on the IoT side, no one has made a s- sort of centralized open platform that allows for the free interchange of data between the different IOT systems. I think Amazon, Apple, Google, they're all very interested in trying to do this and it remains to be seen what will shake out in terms of, or who will ultimately shake out to be like the most successful player in that space. Um, But right now everything's kind of a closed wall, closed garden, um, and it makes things a little difficult to actually build those types of technologies in production. So I think we're a few years out from that, but uh, at least... Uh, building out the first version of Liam is certainly within uh, within you know a stone's throw. Makes sense. I, I want to bring this back around to Lisa, and I think we,
0: we sort of spoke from a let's say a, a fifty thousand foot or thirty thousand foot view of what Lisa actually is, yep. and, and calling it a, a digital employee. Uh, Walk me through an experience from the consumer side, uh, interacting from Lisa kind of like right on through to the leasing consultant actually interacting with Lisa and how that yep. sort of transaction,
1: so to speak, how that works. Absolutely. So you can basically think about Lisa mm. as an employee. Uh, mm-hmm. Her job is, uh, you can think about her sort of as an off-site employee. So her job function is really to handle all of the communication and coordination traditionally involved in leasing. So to walk through like a specific example, let's imagine you know, I'm a prospect, and I go on apartments.com or Zillow or some, some random property website, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I find a property called Jellyfish Acres, and I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful property here in Atlanta. <laughs> Great name. Uh, so I, I'm, I inquire, and I say, you know what, I'm really interested in a two bedroom at Jellyfish Acres. So you know, I'm on Zillow, and I su- submit my information, and say, you know, uh, submit my little web form and say I'm interested in this, in, in this apartment. Um, what's going to happen is Lisa, Lisa's job function is to respond to that prospect. So Lisa would actually engage with me, the prospect, uh, and sort of answer all of my questions, get the tour scheduled, do all of the sort of salesmanship that's generally required um, of a leasing consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does so automatically 24-7, 365, doesn't matter if it's Christmas Eve, you know, uh, any, any time of the year, she's going to be active and ready to go. Um, So, her first sort of job function is to understand the needs of the prospect and answer their questions as efficiently as possible and get the tour scheduled as efficiently as possible. Once the tour is scheduled, she then starts interfacing with the agents on site if the building uses a traditional agent model um, and sends emails or sends text messages with the agents uh, to understand and make sure and confirm that they're actually available at the time that she's uh, attempted to, to schedule the tour. Mm-hmm. We also integrate with the agent's calendars to make sure that we have a general sense of when they should be available. But really from there, it's a, it's a very natural conversation between Lisa and the agent. Um, before the tour actually occurs, Lisa's going to communicate with the prospect and confirm that they're still coming, reschedule them as needed, uh, and then after the tour, she's going to check in, see how the, how the tour went, cross-sell as needed, um, and really, you can think about her as, as sort of a very, very efficient leasing agent who's able to do all of the different types of sales strategies that you theoretically would train leasing consultants to do uh, with prospects. But she sort of does them at scale across your entire portfolio. So her job is really to handle all of the communication and coordination outside of the actual tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else sort of across the board is, uh, is her domain to make sure that prospects are given both a personalized uh, and sort of level of attention that would be uh, required in today's information day and age. That makes sense, Mm -hmm. um, and I appreciate you going through that. And
0: I'm interested, so my imagination tells me that you have collected a ton of data Mm -hmm. um, with Lisa and potentially now Liam and I have to imagine there's some very interesting things that are being born out of that data. Do you have any sort of things where you, won't, pieces of data or, or information where you went, wow, that's really interesting?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so at a high level, our system, uh, we sort of let all of our systems try to optimize and figure out the best way to communicate mm-hmm. uh, at each given property. So we sort of have different optimization functions running to try to say, okay, like for property, you know, for jellyfish acres here in Atlanta what's the best way to communicate with prospects versus, you know, um, 123 Main Street in downtown San Francisco, what's the best way to communicate with prospects? And what we're increasingly finding, which is a little counterintuitive, is a more direct and a less salesy and sort of less schmaltzy way of communicating seems to be optimal effectively everywhere. Um, So being as direct and sort of to the point as possible seems to optimize conversion which is a little counterintuitive. I would have thought that, you know, providing, quote unquote, a good level of service and being as, sale, being as sort of uh, flowery as possible sure. in your verbiage and, and grammatical structure would be optimal. But actually the inverse seems to be true. And perhaps this is sort of a, represents a shift in, in what the internet and sort of technology has done in general where, you know, today if I want information, I can go Google it. Right. It's up to me to go find the information. And I don't really want some salesperson breathing down my neck trying to convince me of some, of you know, uh, uh, something. Right. So I, I really sort of see um, this change paralleling the access to information that the internet in general has provided. Um, and I think it's led to a different communication style being optimal, uh, and we've seen that in the data. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I thought it was interesting when
0: I, I remember looking at this technology with you and you were uh, doing a presentation, and you dialed uh, a property, uh, the phone was answered, uh, by Lisa, and Lisa, uh, gave you a few pieces of inf- Or you I, you press one and had a Lisa had a very brief exchange with you and hung up on you correct. Didn't, even, didn't even say goodbye, correct T- to your point of being correct correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> just give me the information I need. I don't need to say goodbye or hello or exactly <laughs> I, I thought that was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is there maybe one other nugget I, I, I find it um, I found it to be uh, incredible that um, Lisa. Onboards herself, so there's there's sort of this uh, training uh, element that um, anytime we introduce new technology, usually comes along with us either building training on behalf of the vendor or vendor having their own training mechanism. Lisa does all, all this, mm-hmm. right? And she yep. does that through exchanges with the, the leasing consultant, exchanges with IT departments, and
1: mm-hmm. right, Exactly true. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, if you think about Lisa, as sort of an employee, or really really a coworker or a new colleague that you're hiring at your firm, if you were hiring the world's best leasing consultant, that leasing consultant has probably worked at other firms already, and that leasing consultant probably knows what he or she needs to perform the job. So really on day one, the leasing consultant sort of waltz in and say, okay, like set me up with Yardi or RealPage or what have you. Um, set me up with, I need an email account, I need this, I need that. Um, she, she would sort of walk through the steps uh, one by one until they're ready to go and perform her job. Um, that's essentially how we built Lisa. So, um, you know, when you onboard with Lisa, she does indeed do all the training and sort of configuration and setup herself autonomously. And we see that not only as a nice way to get the information that we need, but also the secret reason is it actually teaches them how to use Lisa. So like, it, it, this, it's introducing this idea of this digital colleague, that you can now exchange emails with or text messages with to get the information you need. Um, the training is the product, the product is support. If you have ever a question, you email Lisa. It's all, it's all one, right? So um, identifying and sort of presenting that unified front of product being an email address or a text, uh, SMS phone number that you can uh, message is crucial to present from day one. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to wrap here, I.
0: I have to tell you, I, I have for many, many years uh, sort of had this thought that something would come along someday where uh, there would be uh, little human interaction in the apartment, let's call it leasing transaction, right, yeah. um, experience, and, and it's here. You've built something, I think, it, that uh, that's going to impact our industry in a way that people uh, People just have no idea, right? It's just—it's incredibly interesting. It's gonna uh, make a splash in the industry. I think what you were onto is uh, incredible, and I appreciate you
1: building it. <laughs> I appreciate it.
0: So, um, any any parting words um, for our audience? We've we've got roughly a thousand—I uh, call them apartment maniacs, right? Yep. <laughs> Out in the uh, in the apartment hacker uh, nation, and so any parting words you might have for them uh, in terms of this technology?
1: Yeah. Um, What I will say is this type of technology, there are more and more people every day interested in uh, building this type of technology, not only within the real estate sector, but more broadly. So I think there's this notion, people have this like very comfortable notion of what jobs will be automated in the future. We see technologies like self-driving cars Mm -hmm. coming. And it's very obvious that like, you know, replace the person holding the steering wheel with the steering wheel just steering itself, and it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is, you know, uh, having a sort of a deep understanding and appreciation for uh, what we what we call white collar automation, um, it's it's coming, and sort of positioning yourself accordingly uh, is probably going to be important for the future. So, um, there are more people just like me starting to build technologies like this, uh, you know, in real estate and beyond. So. Uh, what I would say is just keep your eyes open, um, keep, uh, keep an open mind, and uh, I think everything's going to, uh, the world's going to look very different in, in, in 10 years than it does today. And I think as long as people sort of position themselves accordingly, uh, there, there's sort of a lot of opportunity uh, for both people and for computers uh, to work side by side together. So uh, keep an open mind, that's all I would say. Awesome. Well, Elliot, I really appreciate your time um,
0: taking the time to actually do yeah, this. And uh, of course. I look forward to uh, an incredibly fruitful relationship. Yeah, of course. Thanks Thank so much. You.